Welcome, everybody. Good to see you guys this weekend. Some folks in the back are still looking for seats, so if you have some near you, wave them down a little bit. Get to know a friend. Get connected some, and there's always plenty of seat in the front row, and so you can come up here and hang out with me. But thanks for being here this weekend. Thanks, uh, everybody, for uh, joining us online and at our live sites and the Montrose Building as well. And uh, Merry Christmas. God is good, and Ohio State won the Big Ten. So all is right in the world. Two more games to go, and we'll get this thing wrapped up. But I'm in a great mood. If they had lost, God would be good, but I would be yelling at you about something this weekend. And so let's all praise the Lord for that. But um, in the Christmas season, we're excited about that. Hey, those, that Christmas program is going to be fantastic. Like, seriously, spread the word and utilize that. The, the, the reason we work so hard at that and invest so much into it is not really to have a flashy Christmas program. It really is because our community uh, is pretty open to coming to something like that. And so you need to think of that as a tool for you. Uh, if you have a friend or a roommate or somebody like that, and uh, you've kind of been looking for a, a way to bridge their connection to uh, church, maybe for the first time. That's what that program is for. So get your head around those times and get it moving on uh, Twitter and Facebook, and Snapchat, things like that. Get it kind of out there and then use it as an invite tool. And uh, that's just a couple weeks away, and it's, it's going to be a, a great, great time. In this Christmas season, then, we've been talking about some of the people tied into it. So if you could kind of in a, in a high-level way, get your head around the nativity set a little bit, right? So you, you, have, you have Joseph, you have Mary, you have the wise men, you have the shepherds, like all that's a part of the Christmas program. And we've been looking at some of these people and trying to understand a little bit what's, got, what's going on in their life and how God interacted with them. And we've called this moments of wonder that in the Christmas narrative, uh, in that historical account of what happened, that uh, these normal people's lives got blown up in big, big ways. So, sometimes when we hear the Christmas story again and again, and we think of the nativity set and all the songs, we depersonalize it. It's almost like how we think of a myth or a fable. And it's always important to remember that the Christmas narrative is, a, is an account. It's a historical account. So these are normal folks, just like you and me, kind of living a normal life and God interacted with them in big, big ways, and watching them go from a moment of wonder, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? How in the world are you ever going to get me through this? What am I supposed to do in the middle of it? And allow that coin to be flipped to a moment of wonder. God, look who you are. Look what you did for me. Look at the glory that you brought to yourself. Look how you worked in a way that I would have never even imagined that you could work. And we've been Look at that a little bit. We looked at Joseph last weekend, and he's a carpenter. He's really a normal guy, loves God, loves his fiance. Life gets blown up, and he goes from a moment of wonder, and he goes to a moment of wonder. He worshiped his own son and thought of him as God. And this weekend, I want to look at Mary and watch that process happen in her life, and then think of her as a human being. This could have happened to you kind of a thing. Think of it happening to you, and we'll watch Mary's life, and we'll see what other parts of the New Testament have to tell us, and we'll kind of navigate through how do we take a moment of wonder, flip the coin, and make it a moment of wonder. So if you got your Bibles, grab them. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. This is probably the most famous like account 
of uh, God interacting with Mary is someone we go to a lot. So for some of us, uh, these verses are going to be like hypo-familiar. For some of us, maybe you've never even seen them before, but this is like the historical account of this. Verse 26, chapter 1, this is page 830, and the Bible's in your chairs, and all of this is on the app too. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, and she was the mother of John the Baptist, if that name rings a bell. So John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. So in the sixth month of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the, his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked. The angel says, I'm a virgin. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive uh, is in her sixth month. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And so we know a little about Mary, actually a chunk about Mary from the culture and then from the scriptures because she lived kind of a full life. She gave birth to Jesus and then she was there when Jesus was crucified and on the cross, Jesus looked at the Apostle John and said, would you take care of my mom for, for me through the rest of her life? So unlike Joseph, who would have died younger, we have more of an understanding of who Mary was. So she was an ancient Jewish person. Uh, she was probably about 14, give or take, because that was the Marian age back then. You got married when you were 14. So for her to be engaged to Joseph. That's about how old she would have been. We know that she and Joseph would have had a good relationship uh, because when he found out she was pregnant, uh, he had all kinds of rights. Uh, engagement in that world was not romantic. It was contractual. And so he could have sued her. He could have sued her family. Some places he could have had her put to death for getting pregnant while they were engaged. But the Bible says Joseph decided to divorce her quietly in his mind. And so I think there was a, an affection and a love between the two of them. We know that Mary would have been kind of a, we would say a Christ follower or a follower of God back then because of Joseph. Joseph was a man who was faithful to the law. And as a man faithful to the law, he would have only married a woman who was faithful to the law. So we can look and say, Mary probably grew up going to the synagogue and learning uh, the truths about God from what we would call our Old Testament. And she was a, a person who was kind of like that. And she was looking forward 
to her next phase of life. She would have been looking forward to her wedding. She would have been thinking about, you know, her affection for Joseph and what that was going to be like. She would have been looking forward to the new home that Joseph would have been off building for her. It was the custom of the day. And she would have just been excited about this. It, 14 is super young in our culture, but not in this ancient culture. And so that was kind of the next normal, usually happy phase of somebody's life and that is Mary. And in the middle of all this, God sends his angel, Gabriel. An angel says to her, Gabriel says to her, verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary, you're highly favored. You're not going to believe this. It's going to be great. You're going to get to do something that you never thought you were going to get to do. You're going to get, you're going to, get to be be uh, used by God in a way that you never thought you'd be used by God. This miracle is going to happen where just like God created mankind from the dust, he creates life in her womb. All of that's going on and you get to be a part of it and you are highly favored, Mary. God chose you out of all the millions of women on the planet. God chose you, trusts you, calls you, bless you, and you get to be the mother of the Son of God and an out-of-wedlock pregnant teenager. You were highly favored. Mary's response to that was, um, actually, I'm greatly troubled, <laughs> right? I hear what you're saying, God, but my life just took a turn. And I'm going a direction that I don't I don't want to go. I didn't know to go. Nobody ever talked to me about going. Like, I had some pretty solid plans in place. I'm engaged. You say I'm highly favored. I feel greatly troubled. Gabriel says to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. Hmm, Gabriel, that didn't help at all. <laughs> I still feel greatly troubled, right? When you start thinking about this girl, and she's real, right? She's real. She's not the figurine on the piano. She's real. And you start thinking about your life, and God comes to you and says, you are greatly favored, see? And God takes your life in a direction that you never thought your life would go. How difficult that would be. How shocking that would be. How disconcerting that would be, and that's what's happening to Mary. Like, I am, I am greatly troubled by this. This is scary. This is uncharted. I just don't know. And Mary would look and say, God, I feel anguished and troubled. And God would look and say, you are highly favored, and this is a wonderful opportunity for you. And that is not unlike our life, is it? When you think about our relationship with God and you do God math on it, the math that God would do in our life where he would say, I got something so wonderful for you. You are highly favored. You know what you get to do? You get to go hang out with your family that you've been trying to get away from for the last 20 years. I just got you a ticket to Dysfunction Junction. Wah, wah. This is going to be great. You are highly favored. Um... I'm deeply troubled by that. You, God has changed you, healed you, and helped you. You 
get to go bring healing, forgiveness, compassion, and grace to your father who you've never met before and he wasn't a part of your life and you get to be a point of light and an ambassador to him. Aren't you excited? I feel greatly troubled by that. You get to be the only person in your dorm that is remotely connected to living a Christ-centered life. And what's fun about that, this is going to be great, everybody's going to think you're a self-righteous prude for not participating in everything that they participate in. Isn't that awesome? You get to be the sole light in a dark place because the major you chose, Christ followers just don't choose. In fact, everybody's looking at you funny because you chose it. You are highly favored. You, you get to love and care for that highly needy person that you're always trying to avoid and you hope you don't run into at Walmart, right? You are highly favored. And like Mary, we would look back to God and say, actually, I just feel deeply troubled. I get it. I'm trying now, I'm, I'm a Christ follower, is how we would say it. I'm, I'm committed to being a follower of Jesus Christ, but I don't feel highly favored. Highly favored God for me would be like, it doesn't rain on Joseph and I's wedding day. That would be great. Highly favored would be the house gets done on time. That would be fantastic. Highly favored would be my life being what I want it to be and you're saying that there's a heaven opportunity, a God math, a spiritual thing that not only am I highly favored, I'm chosen for. And, and you have entrusted me with, and I'm supposed to walk that path, and it's going to be glory to you. I'm in a moment of wonder. Why? How? Are you sure you picked the right 14-year-old girl? Because I can't see that playing out. Now, what's interesting with Mary is we get to see into her heart a little bit because she would say, I'm greatly troubled at his words. The angel comes out, hey, don't be afraid. Listen, you found favor with God. And we get to see Mary processing this a little bit. And she says this down in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. We talked a little bit last weekend. If you weren't able here, grab it on the, if you weren't able to be here, grab it on the app or a podcast or something like that. But we talked about last weekend that when we're in moments of wonder, our posture is important. Our posture is important because when I'm in a moment of wonder, my tendency, my reflex is to raise my hand to God. Whoa, no, how could you? Why did you? That tends to be our reflex. And we said in a moment of wonder, my posture isn't the raised hand, it's the bowed knee. You are God, I am not, I will participate with this. And what you see here is Mary's posture. You're highly favored. I'm deeply troubled. Well, this is gonna be great. Trust me, believe me. And Mary's response is a bowed knee. I'm the Lord's servant, okay. I'm in, I'm in, I'm the Lord's servant. Do with my life what you wanna do with my life. I have no idea what you're doing with my life. Why, I'll, 
I'll go back into those relationships if you want me to, but why? Why? I just finished counseling. Okay. I'll go deal with my old life, but why? I just got out of my old life. I, I'll go back and I'll open up that, that wound. But why, God? Why? why do I have that boss, the boss that everybody hates? Why did I get him? Why, did, why am I in this marriage, the difficult one, where it just seems like we have to work everything? Why? I did the same things with my kids that those people did with their kids, and my kids are struggling and wandering from God. Why? Because you're highly favored. All right. Because I feel deeply troubled. But I am the Lord's servant. And I will go where you've called me to go. When we're looking at moments of wonder, th this is inescapable. No matter how we kind of talk about this and creatively look at things, if we want to take a moment of wonder and allow it to become a moment of wonder, this is always going to be a point in the conversation. That a knee is bowed and we, there's a bunch of ways that we would say it. We allow God to work through us. We embrace what God is doing. We invite God into the process. We follow God through it. It's a bunch of different ways of saying, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm in. I'm in, but I have no idea how to do what you've called me to do. As I was looking at this, <clears throat> I, I was kind of asking the question, how do we flip this coin? My mind and heart went to the Apostle Paul. So if you flip to the right in your Bibles, to the, the book of 2 Timothy, what Paul says here in 2 Timothy, he would not have said to Mary, right, because Jesus hadn't even been born yet, but through the Spirit of God, God's Spirit would have taught Mary these same things. It's much of the same direction that she's going to have to get her head and her heart around so we can see it. But God says it to us through the Scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul's writing to Timothy. He's like his protege, and he's trying to explain to him uh, Timothy, this is, this is how God thinks. This is what God's like. And as you go through difficult times, even see other people go through difficult times, and God's looking at you and say, hey, you are highly favored. This is how God would work or his perspective on it. Verse 7, <clears throat> chapter 1, 2 Timothy, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. The part of this that jumped out to me was verse 7, where Paul is describing what God is like and helping Timothy kind of get his head around it. Timothy, you are highly favored, but you feel deeply troubled, but... You're the Lord's servant. <clears throat> you're not fighting God. You're kind of open. You're kind of willing. You're kind of in. But how do I go in and how do I walk through this? And Paul would say, well, let me explain to you a little bit about what God is like. And as you see what God is like, you'll see how he will go through this process with you. <clears throat> so it's interesting that Paul looks at Timothy and the first place he goes is to the Spirit of God. Timothy, remember that when God calls you to something, he will journey with you through it. If God calls you to it, he'll journey with you through it. You don't go alone. 
The Spirit of God is always in this equation. If you're a Christ follower, this is what the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> the Bible says that when I become a Christ follower, a bunch of things happen in my life instantly. My sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit is given to me as a deposit on heaven and as a help on earth, and I become a part of the spiritual body called the church. That all happens instantly. So as a Christ follower, as I'm standing here and God shows up and says, hey, you're highly favored, guess what you get to do? And I say to God, I feel deeply troubled. God might kind of wrap his arms around us, kind of like Paul's doing to Timothy and say, hey, don't forget, whatever I call you to, I'll see you through. You're not going there alone. I will go with you. Your body becomes a temple of my Holy Spirit and wherever you go, I am with you. Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's what all of that is tied to, right? If you thought about this at a corporate level, for instance, and we were talking about the church, uh, I bet you somewhere in the last couple of days, you asked the question, are we going to church this weekend? Are we going to go to church this weekend? And it's, it's not a sin to talk about the church that way. It's just how we would think. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to sit through a service I'm going to participate in the music. I'm going to listen to what Jeff says, and we're going to go to church. If we were being technical, God would never view you that way. What God would say is this. He would say, hey, this weekend, my church is going to gather in a building. And this building is not a church. It's the roof over the church's head because it's like four degrees outside most days here in Northeast Ohio. So we have a building that we gather together in to get out of the elements, but the building is not the church. The people are the church. You are the church. You don't go to the church. This is part of what Paul's leaning into with Timothy. The Spirit of God is with you. It's not that I would go deal with this difficult boss and hope that God shows up somehow. He did when you did, if you're a Christ follower. It's not that I would go to this family function where we blow up every year and hope somehow God shows up. He did when you did. Wherever you go, God is with you. The Spirit of God is with you. You are never alone in this process. God would have reassured Mary in these types of ways because can you imagine how lonely this news is? Who believes that? Nobody believes that. Her cousin Elizabeth, because she also had a miracle. Joseph, because an angel showed up. Outside of that, Nobody believes that. You wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. If you showed up at church this weekend and you were like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, really? Who's the father? Mm, God. I don't believe you. How did this happen? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit, shadow came on me. I don't believe you. Who believes this? Nobody believes this. Mary, it's good news. You're highly favored. No one's going to buy it. Well, I feel deeply troubled by that. Mary, I know, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not sending you by yourself ever. I show up when you show up. And you and I are going to walk through this journey together. 
Paul goes on talking to Timothy, and he starts to describe what the Spirit's like. He says, for the Spirit uh, that God gave us does not make us timid. That's a fascinating phrase. Does not make us timid. The Spirit of God within us does not call us to, to show up at places that God asks us to go and sit and survive and be secretive there. I'm not the undercover Christ follower in my dorm. I, I'm, not, I'm, not the, I'm not just the good guy at work that does an F-bomb. I just kind of blend in. Oh, he's so nice. I, I don't go into family functions and just try not to cause a stir because the spirit God gave me does not make me timid. It doesn't make me shy. It doesn't make me cowardly. It, it, it doesn't make me backwards with it. Right? Now, it's fascinating. What else he doesn't say here? He says, the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid. It also doesn't say, the Spirit of God that, that God gave us makes us obnoxious. doesn't say that. I'm a Christian, and I'm going to fight you about everything. I'm going to make every point there is to make on Twitter, because that matters. I, I'm going I'm to fight you on social media. I'm going to do this. I'm going to argue about this point. I'm going to let you know that you are wrong, and then I'm going to reinforce that multiple times during dinner so you know that for sure that you are wrong. So the spirit that God gives us is not timid, but it's not obnoxious, right? The, the, the scripture is very, very clear that when we're interacting with non-Christ followers, that we're to do that with a gentleness and a respect. So this isn't me sitting there thinking, I hope nobody finds out. But it's also not me like protesting everything. It's something kind of different than that. What's it going to look like? It's going to look like power, love, and self-discipline. The spirit that God gave us is a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline, right? What kind of power? Is it like the emperor, the, the sparks coming out of the emperor's fingertips and power and channeling the force? I, I'll be honest with you, I kind of wish it was. I'll be honest with you, but it's not, right? So what kind of power? It's the power of to be godly is the way that First Peter would say it. So I have the power because the Holy Spirit is with me to do something I can never do on my own. For instance... I have the power to trust God in a way that I could not trust God on my own. Mary's logic would have run out. Her strategy, her philosophy, her positive thinking would have all hit a limit here. And there had to be a supernatural tie that comes from a unity with the Holy Spirit that allows her to trust something that is absolutely unbelievable. The power that gives us a supernatural hope. God, okay, I'm in. I'm your, I'm your servant, but what are we doing? See? Because when I lose hope, what I tend to reach for is control. I'll change the narrative, shuffle the deck, so that keep hope in God, that, that he is going to leave, it's incredibly difficult to do. The power to endure hardship or persecution, because Mary's getting persecuted here, right? 
Can you imagine the gossip that's happening in her life? Nazareth. Nazareth makes Doylestown look like New York City. It's, just, it's this tiny little burb thing out there in the middle of nowhere. And so th- this, I have to endure. I have to, God says, don't repay evil for evil. I, I, have, I need a supernatural power to help me not do that. The power to trust, the power to... And so when God calls us to something, he says, hey, you're highly favored. I feel deeply troubled, but I'm in. But God, I have shown up in this circumstance a thousand times. It's never gone well. Well, I'm going with you. The whole equation has changed. God, it seems like it always ends up in disaster. Well, now there's a different power. In in your own will and in your own mind and in your own self-control, it's going to wind up in a disaster. But I'm in the equation and I'm giving you a power, a power, and we would say it weird ways, like a power you can access, a power you can embrace, a power that you can lock onto, and it's not out there somewhere, and it might show up in the last second and do something funky. Wherever you go, it goes, because it's the power of the Spirit that God gave us. Mary, you're gonna have the Spirit of God. It's gonna come out as a supernatural power, And then it's going to come out as a Christ-like love is the way that we would say it today. The spirit God gave us is a spirit of love, but not just like our love, like Christ-like love. This is what happens, I think, sometimes. When when God calls us to something, he says, hey, you're highly favored. Guess what you get to go do? You go get to be salt and light in in a desperate and difficult place. And we say, okay, God, I'm your servant. I'll go do that. What can happen a lot of times is we'll start to pray and we'll start to pray for like endurance and we'll start to pray for courage. And the mindset is this, is that God, I'll go do it and I will put up with those people as long as you ask me to put up with them. I don't like them. They drain life out of me, but I will put up with them if you ask me to put up with them. That's the highest need person I know. They never leave me alone. They just drain the life out of me. But I will tolerate them because you said to tolerate them, and I said I will be your servant. And that is not what Paul's talking about. Tolerating a person has nothing to do with loving them. Tolerating a person has nothing to do with loving them. And this takes a supernatural power from the Spirit of God. I'm not going to go tolerate the people that live at Dysfunction Junction. God, help me to love them. Help me to see their pain. Help me to have compassion on their life. Help me to forgive as I've been forgiven. Help me represent you because you love them. You know why you work for the boss that is the crazy boss? Because Christ loves that boss. So he put you there as salt and light, his representative, his heart and his mind. You know why your sister's a crazy sister? Because God loves your sister. And so he put you in her life. You know why you're in the dorm of all the insane people? And how you drew that short straw, it's not because God's punishing you, it's because God loves them. And he would look and say, I want you to love like that. 
not tolerate, not put up, not survive, made it through another one, but to pray, to love, to give yourself fully to them. The Spirit of God is not timid. It gives us power, supernatural power. It gives us a radical Christ-like love, and then it gives us self-discipline. Self-discipline and the scripture here is not like the same as self-restraint. Like, I will only eat seven cookies, not eight. That, that's, not that, that's not that idea, right? Because we can do all that on our own. Some of us can. I can't. But like, theoretically, you could say no to those things, right? So that's not what God's talking about here. God's talking about this. When he talks about self-discipline, what he's saying is, I will supernaturally interact with you so that your testimony of what I have done in your life is not tarnished as you enter the pain of these relationships. See, what happens when a lot of times when God says, hey, you're highly favored, a lot of times he sends us back into relationships that we thought we got away from. And when we go back into relationships we thought we got away from, the history of that relationship comes with us. Because you don't get away from your history, you just integrate it into your present and your future. So when I go back into that spot, what can happen really, really quickly is all those nerves are exposed still, just nobody's pressed on them for a while, right? I joke about even my own family, we're all like middle-aged people, and it doesn't matter how old you are, how successful you are, when you get back together with all your siblings, everybody's 15 again. It's just kind of the way that it works. And you take all those roles again. So all of that pain is there. Doesn't matter how much dad has changed and how much you, has cha you have changed. What matters is when he said this, it felt like this, and you want to react in this old way. But the Spirit of God who is with you gives you self-discipline. When this argument refires... And all of this baggage comes up with it, and I want to go off on you, and I have the ammunition to do it. But it would, I would forfeit all of my testimony, is how we would say it there. God gives me a spirit of self-discipline. When you finally had it with the boss, and you want to tell him to take this job and place it kindly somewhere else, but those harsh words and that vocabulary, see. So God would look at us and he'd say, listen, you're highly favored. I don't feel highly favored. I feel deeply troubled, right? Well, you're not. You're highly favored. This is an opportunity. This is kingdom work. This, this is something you would never chose or ask for, but God knows it's what's best and what's good. But you don't go alone. You don't go in your own power. You don't go to tolerate. You don't go just trying to hold it together till you get out of there. There's a different equation in the mix because of who Christ is and who the Holy Spirit is and what they have done in your life. And when you go into those God-chosen moments with that mindset, there's this incredible opportunity to take a moment of wonder, why would you ask me to do that? And allow it to be moved until a moment of wonder. God, look what you have done. We get to see this happen with Mary. If you go back to Luke chapter 1, she goes out and she visits her cousin. And Elizabeth is also supernaturally pregnant. 
Elizabeth is encouraging her, right? One of the only people who would have understood and believed her. By the way, here's a little side note for you. When God looks at somebody in your life and says, you're highly favored, I want you to do something nuts, encourage them, don't discourage them. When, when God looks at your kid and says, and they call them into full-time ministry, applaud that. Don't tell them to get a backup job. When, when God calls somebody to the mission field, don't remind them of all the dangers of the mission field. Remind them of how loyal and faithful you'll be to them while they're out there. When, when, when God says, go bring peace to your relationship with your ex, don't gather around his girlfriends and, and affirm how ridiculous that is and how he's got coming, everything that he's got coming. Pray for her, encourage her, go with her, support her. That's what Elizabeth was doing. So as a body of Christ, when God looks at one of us and says, hey, you're highly favored, guess what you get to do? The job of the rest of us is to surround that person. That's a lot of times what the presence of God feels like. It feels like the presence of God's people. So Mary has this interaction with Elizabeth and her husband and what got a dose of that. And what happens is you see this moment of wonder flip into a moment of Wonder, the coin flips, verse 46, chapter 1, and Mary said, this is her song, Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. The posture is important. She's on a bended knee, I'm your servant, and I'm going to glorify, you, you just flushed my life, but you're with me. Spiritual power, love, self-discipline. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations call me blessed. Ready? Here it is. It's huge. For the mighty one has done great things for me. This moment of wonder turns into this moment of worship and glorifying God. Didn't your life just explode? Yeah, but man, look at the opportunity. And look what God has done for me. What he's done for me is much more eternal than it is temporal. Every generation will call me blessed. Mary, by the way, Mary was not sinless. She is not divine. She's a 14-year-old kid. But we call her blessed. Why? Because God chose her, and she embraced it and allowed it. That's why she's an example to us that we would follow and honor and respect. And I get to do, look what God did for me. Look what God did for me. And look at how God uses me. And look at this eternal plan that I get to be a part of. And when God wants to give us more than we can ask or imagine, he's not usually talking about a pay raise or a new Lamborghini. He's usually talking about things like this. I would have never asked for that. I would never have imagined that God would use me or do that with this. But he gave it to me. And he blessed me with it. And look, look, what my, 
little life. Teenager in the middle of nowhere. Look what my little life, how God used it, changed the world. A moment of wonder becomes a moment of wonder, right? Because of how Mary embraced and walked through and allowed God to use her. Okay. All right. Because I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we changed our prayers. So we usually pray to get out of stuff, right? I do too. Right? When, God, when God's like, you're highly favored, you can go to that meeting. I'm like, Lord, please, give me mono, pneumonia, leprosy, like anything. Like just, please, I do not want to go do that. I'm begging you. I serve you full time. Give me a day off. Right? So, uh, me too. Like, and, and that's how we usually pray. God, if you could change them, smite them, whatever you got to do. Like, if you could get me out of this, I would feel highly favored. So I wonder what would happen if we changed our prayers. God, whatever you get me, whatever you send me to, you'll see me through. So show me where you want to send me. God, help me to see you in that. Never alone. It's a big deal. Never alone. It's what alleviates that fear. I'm never alone. God, we're getting together and help me to love. Give me a spirit of compassion and mercy and forgiveness. God, give me a, a self-discipline, supernatural. Because I've tried, how many times have I tried to not say what I say every year? Right? I wonder what would happen if we changed our prayers. It's interesting when you read the book of Acts where the church was first starting, the early church did not pray for escape. They prayed for courage and power. God put me where he put me because he loves the people that he put me with. Give me wisdom, power, love, help me. And this is what happens, guys. We don't get to have moments of wonder without moments of wonder. We don't get to have moments of wonder without moments of wonder. We don't get that as a church. We, we, don't, we don't get to celebrate new campuses unless we send Ryan and Lori out to one. We don't get to celebrate reaching hundreds, thousands of kids unless we build the building, sacrifice for it. We, we don't get to celebrate. If, if we can plan it, budget it, schedule it, we don't need Jesus. So we don't get to have moments of wonder unless we have moments of wonder. God, are you sure? How will you? I don't know. Boy, this is scary. We're going to do it. And the same thing is true for you personally. You don't get to have a moment of wonder without a moment of wonder. Because if you can manage your own life and put everything in a little box and make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed, you don't need God in your life. But when God calls you out on faith to a place you've never been before, 
When God calls you out on faith to a, to a relationship you haven't been in in a while, when God looks at you and says, hey, guess what? You're highly favored. And you look back at God and say, you know, I feel deeply troubled. It's in those places that only the supernatural power of God can do something. It's where the supernatural power of God is needed. And it's in those places where God will work and God will lead and God will direct. And when that coin flips and you're at a moment of wonder, the only thing that you can possibly say is, look what God did. Look what God did for me. I've been trying to heal that relationship for decades. Look what God did for me. I've been been afraid to go to that place my whole life, but I went and look what God did for me. I've been controlled by the things of this earth. And I finally took my hand out. Look what God did for me. See, You only get a moment of wonder from a moment of wonder. So what if we prayed differently? What if we prayed for that? What if we prayed for those opportunities? What if, what if we prayed that God would do radical things in our life? What if we prayed that God derailed us? we pray those prayers. We might land at the place Mary did. My soul glorifies God. Look what he has done for me. All right. Band's going to give us a couple minutes to think. Would you bow your heads with me and maybe pray and just be still for a little bit? I wonder if God's got something in your life. Maybe you're at a moment of wonder and you're just trying to get your head around it, would you pray even now, ask the Holy Spirit to help you, guide you, lead you, help you to tap in, so to say, to the power of God in your life? Maybe you're at a place in your life where your faith is stalled and boring because you never exercise it. The bold prayer is, God, lead me beyond myself renew my walk with you in that way. Whatever it is, I don't know, but maybe pray those things. Jesus, help us. Help me too. Holy Spirit, would you press into our hearts and our minds right now in in very specific, very individual ways. Would you just work in the lives of your people? God, even those who don't know you as Savior, their moment of wonder is what to do with you. And so through your kindness, through your spirit, would you draw them into yourself? And let their moment of wonder be that you would forgive them, love them, and accept them. Wherever we are at, God, would you press in in those nuances and walk us down this path. Thank you, Jesus.